right, thank you for joining me for episode seven of Simple Tension, Contentious Conversations. We are civil, not polite. We are civil, not politically correct. The conversation you're about to listen to may contain language and subject matter that some may consider offensive. You know what happens when you get offended? Any of you here? What happens? Nothing, Nothing whatsoever. Not a damn thing. You're going to be all right. I, I'm sure you are. I'm your host, Peter Galt, uh, here with your co-host. Would you please introduce yourselves? John Guancy. And Tom Sellers. All right. And while we encourage and thrive on contentious, escalated, highly spirited conversation, we encourage our committed conversationalists to remain mindful of name dropping. The names of places, people, and things may be changed to protect the innocent, the not so innocent, and mostly ourselves, if the need be. Uh, so, would you go ahead and introduce yourself? Bob Gibbons, but since I'm not supposed to say my name, I'll go by Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so we do have Batman with us today. Batman Bob. And Dance with Denny Hennessy. <laughs> Ken Nicholson. <laughs> Billy Hobbs. Billy Hobbs, all right. And since we do have Batman with us here today, uh, I'd like to launch into a conversation uh, and, and maybe Batman, you've got a comment about this. The lack of apparent, just the gross lack of apparent common decency in in discourse of any kind, especially we're seeing that intently on the internet. And uh, I did get to have a conversation with one of our uh, co-hosts here, John, yesterday, about the way people are even just talking about the passing of Billy Graham. And, and how grossly disrespectful, whether you share beliefs or not, uh, you know, that, that's a human life that was lost, 99 years of a human life. And we are recording in a restaurant, as we always do. Someone needs a round of applause for dropping that. <laughs> Congratulations there. But uh, Batman, why don't you weigh in? What do you think? Well... Um, my good friend Bruce Wayne, he always tells me about um, situations that he's in. And um, <clears throat> absolutely, and there are several causes to why we're lacking a proper civil discourse. And one of them is the name calling, and one of them is the generalization that people don't want to listen to each other because if you have a right-wing theory on immigration, then you're automatically Republican, you're automatically someone I don't associate with, you're automatically a Trump supporter, you're automatically this, that, and the other thing. And I've seen Republicans do that to Democrats as well. Oh, you're a communist, liberal, hippie, uh, go take a shower, I don't want to talk to you. And it happens everywhere, whether we're talking about Billy Graham, who I get it, he, there was some controversy with uh, him, and, him in the uh, 70s, but you know, so somebody died. You need to, you need to have proper respect to that. And when a child from uh, that high school in Florida, Marjorie Stone, Stoneman uh, Douglas High, um, has a has an opinion about something, they need to not be shouted down. Which is what I'm seeing on social media all the time. Is that I refuse to debate gun control with somebody that was eating Tide Pods. That's a vicious stereotype. And just because you disagree with them on one thing doesn't give you the right to go ahead and shut them down immediately. Bill. Well, riddle me this, Batman. <laughs> uh, you know, when you have the leaders of the country, we're coming into the primaries here in Illinois. And, and, and you know, so we're seeing a lot of these commercials and these attacks and they're bitter. And they're ugly and they're nasty and, and true or not true. I mean, when you have leadership acting in the capacity they are, how do you get others uh, beneath that leadership to act any better? It's tough. I, you know, well, you, well, it's not just tough. It's almost impossible. Yeah. You know, you got to lead by example in these kind of situations, and we don't have leadership that does that. Whether you're talking about the uh, the Gotham City mayor race, or you're talking about, or you're talking about the presidential race, you, with all these uh, leaders don't just mudslinging, and with all the yellow journalism that we see, uh, you're not gonna. You're not going to get a um, honest conversation, and that's why you have to build something from the ground up. It has to come from the individuals. Tom, jump in there. You know, this kind of, in my opinion, because I just experienced this not very long ago, this goes so far from top to bottom, it's it's ridiculous. I'll tell you what I mean. I was uh, A couple weeks back, I was in a minor car accident. Kid come out of the high school, 
didn't bother to look. Mm-hmm. Nothing terrible, you know, best bust up defender. And that itself wasn't any big deal. And, you know, obviously you can't, folks can't see me, but I'm a gray-haired guy. And I remember in my day, if I'd have been in an accident with a gray-haired guy, the last thing I'm going to do is get in his face. Sir, I'm sorry I was even there. This young man, and I don't know how old he was, but he was a high school age boy. You know, he came up and he was, he was kind of puffed up and had no respect in his voice at all when I asked him how, if he was okay and if he was able to see me when he pulled out. So I, I guess my, my point to that is this. At every level, we're seeing this, whether it is people in our own hometown, the stuff we're seeing on TV, the ridiculous ridiculousness we see on, on social media. You know, I, I've gotten to a point, I really, I really want to pull the plug half the time mm-hmm. because I see people that I've known for years, people I went to high school with, that are up in arms and you see these ridiculous posts and if you disagree with them, they attack you. Now these are people you've known. And you've got people that are no longer friends because of, uh, of those types of posts and it never seems to end. So, like I say, I'm tired of it from top to bottom. I just don't understand why we can't, as people, sit across the table like we are doing right now and talk about it. We, we used to, Tom. You're right. We're experiencing a cultural shift in a direction that scares the bejesus out of me. Mm-hmm. I, 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 have a, I was raised in a, in a sort of an old-fashioned Southern family, and... They were, they were all over being hyper-athletes and, and working hard and all that stuff. But when it came to conversation over the dinner table, the quieter you were and the more carefully you constructed your comments and the more you said, sir, may I offer that as opposed to you idiot, these are the facts, <laughs> the more respected and more listened to you were. Right. And, and my dad used to have these wonderful sessions after church. Uh, We'd, we'd do the Sunday chicken dinner thing. About 4 o'clock, people would start showing up, and some of them are drinking, and some of them are, are just having coffee. And, it, and boy, we have one of everything in that room. Mm-hmm. And it was it was carefully uh, facilitated, if you will, by my dad, who would who would kind of you know put his palm up when somebody was getting a little too obstreperous. But I, I remember people of violently different opinions who had really good conversations where a lot of stuff was learned by everybody at the table. Mm-hmm. Nobody does that anymore, except of course for this group, of which I am proud to be a part. <laughs> because nobody knows what's, what's true and, and what's false. Everybody has their own beliefs, you know, and they listen to what they want to listen to and, and, and because that enhances their beliefs, right? And that makes them more right. And, and, you know, I had this conversation last night with a guy who was all against Trump and how Hillary would have been so great, and, and he just kept spewing out, you know, all these reasons. And I'm like, looking at him going, you, you, you do realize that most of what you just said is, is false. You know, you're just regurgitating things that you heard on, you know, uh, CNN or CNBC, whatever, Fox News and all these things that, you know, you have no idea whether they're true or not. But because you believe them to be true, you're spewing it back out, and that's your argument. Just do some research. You know, if you're really going to get involved in this kind of conversation, at least do your homework. At least do your homework. And people just, <coughs> they don't. Everybody jumps immediately to their confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is they form an opinion based on what they enjoy hearing, what they like hearing, <coughs> that affirms their own ideas, their own beliefs. And they jump on that and they go full steam ahead. And God forbid, God help you if you disagree. Because if you disagree, you are instantly every nasty name and nasty thing they can think of and pull the book from. Denny, go, go pull from the book. I was going to say, and, and, and I think it's gone on longer than just now. We see a lot more of it because of the 24-hour news cycle and, mm-hmm. and these stations having to have something to put out there <coughs> 24 hours. I look back at the stories I heard when my mom and dad got married. My dad was Irish Catholic. My mom was Episcopalian. I mean, mm. they, they wouldn't let him get, they wouldn't let my mom get married until she was 21 and could do it on her own. My great-grandfather said, I'll give you money for your dress, but you have to listen, you have to come over and listen to what these goddamn Catholics call praying. And I guess they used to do the rosary on the radio at night. So she'd go over there every night and listen to the rosary, and he'd be just bannering the whole time and... 
And when they had my my grandparents didn't go to their only daughter's wedding because it was in the Catholic Church. This was 1957. Yeah. And when they got back, my grandma said I would never have known because my dad seemed like their son. But when my dad, when they got back, my dad went up to my grandma and said, "Can't we be friends?" And my grandma said, "If he was big enough to do that." You know, I looked at it that I didn't lose a daughter, that I gained a son, and that's what we've lost today. You know, it's, Bob, you kind of said in the beginning, you're either a liberal or you're, you know, a, a Democrat or a Republican. Conservative. You're left, you're right. And it's all or none. You know, one of the things, and I've been guilty of it, is all Democrats feel this. Well, that's not true. All Republicans feel this. That's not true. And that's, we, we are. This is what's great about this, is being able to have a discussion where you can have differing opinions and talk about it. Well, there are there are uh, good people on both sides, and um, I mean I I I for one uh, look back at history because I was a history uh, uh, student and uh, archaeology student and I know a little bit about about some things. But when you when you look back at in history and you think of the they just did a, a, a I was the History Channel just did a thing on the all the presidents. And if you saw it, they did a, a like a five-minute sketch of all the presidents, of what they did in their office, what they what their what they accomplished, what they didn't accomplish, what they thought they could accomplish, why they you know I mean, it it, it, it there are good and bad in every in every group, and what we have to do is to pick those people out. And know which ones you, which ones are good and which ones are bad, and the bad ones we got to get rid of. I mean, let's face it. There's, there's been uh, for 42 years in this state. There's just been <laughs> way. There's just been way too much. Uh, well, let's face it. Illinois is the only, only state in the union that has, where the governor has cell number on his uh, on his business card and doesn't mean telephone. <laughs> so, and I would, you know, taking this a little farther even. Taking politics out of this completely, just left, right, doesn't matter. I, you know, I go back to where we, you know, the, the example I use with the, the, the young man. I mean, and we see this kind of thing everywhere. You're walking through the grocery store and you see a 10, 12-year-old kid yelling at his parent or her parent, I want this, I want that. And I think to myself, at some point, you know, I try to remember 100 years ago when I was that age, I would never have considered <laughs> Well, back in those days, you'd get the backhand. You can't do that That's right. I would not consider him yelling at, yell at my parent, for one thing, or a perfect stranger at, at another. And I'm still at my age. If I see an older person and they need help with the door, there I'm right there at the door. You go get the door. Yeah. It, where and how many times do you hear, thank you for that? Every time. Almost from an older person, absolutely. Younger person, forget it. They don't even look at you. Oh, they'll they'll run through you, get into the door. Right, but I, I think right. that's and that's kind of where I'm going with this. Is we know what the real, we know why the problem is. It starts in the house, but I just can't for life me understand a kid. At some point, you have to grow a conscience. And how do you look at yourself when you're verbally abusing an elder and not have a guilty conscience over? And not think maybe this is not the thing I should be doing. Well, I think, and to the point to that conscience, I don't think we're actually at a point where people even understand what that is anymore. The younger people coming up, and I, and I don't know, Bob, I, Bob, Batman, Bob, I know, <laughs> Thank is, you. is going to jump on this a minute, and and maybe John is because John and I talked about something that was very similar about this yesterday. In that, and you talked about separating the good from the bad. And a lot of what you know we were seeing, and and what I acknowledge when, when John brought this up, I acknowledge and I agreed with him, is we're seeing things that look a lot. They look a lot like just evil, and it's you know you can go evil versus good, and you can put that into religion context if you want to, but even just as a simple level of morality. Yeah, again, you know, reflecting, Tom, on what you said, as a kid, 
I knew exactly what was going to happen if I acted up, if I was at church, if we were out with somebody. And there were times when I did act up, and I knew what was waiting for me when we got home, and I got it. And, and in fact, growing up, uh, there was, uh, you know, my mom might listen to this, and so I will, I will say, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I got a number of, of spankings in my life, and I won't go into the, hey, mom, you're all right, it's okay, you know, I turned out just fine, probably because uh, she, she did the laying on of hands a time or two, when I know I darn well deserve it. And that's, well, and that's what, why I didn't come on her. Right? You, know, you earned it. I earned it. Right. I, I know I earned it. We always knew we were out of line every time. Yeah, there was yeah, no... this one's going to cost Absolutely. me. Yep. This one's going to cost me. Now, do these kids not feel that same... Many don't. It, I don't think they do. It, if, you, if, you, if you bump into a young person with good manners, which is all we're talking about here, right? you, if you look at their parents, you know why. If you bump into a kid that's nothing but loud in your face rebellion without consideration without research without respect look at the parents and you know why Agreed. or the lack thereof sure. and it, i think the, the root cause of this and many other problems is is the breakdown of the family structure the way it was when <laughs> we were born in the 40s 50s 60s and i how did we get here what caused that i got some real political opinions on what caused that, but well, I, it's a like, thing we need to fix. I'd like to jump in real quick because I think I think something phased out over the years. Now, growing up, at once once my wife and I had children, uh, she she was raised Catholic. I was raised RLDS, and frankly, my grandfather, who was an RLDS minister, he was a, a high patriarch in that church, and. Uh, there, he would have rolled over. I'm sure he would have just thrown a fit. And in fact, we didn't even extend an invitation to him nor anyone in my family when the two of us got married. And we did not get married in a Catholic church, even though her family is largely Catholic. My wife and I got married at a court, at, a, at the courthouse. And which I'm sure her, uh, my father-in-law, well, maybe he appreciated that, but, but you know, he—he's probably spent that money on our family ten times over. I know, so he didn't really save anything. But uh, I, I've been blessed, incredibly blessed, with uh, generous in-laws uh, who are incredibly kind and gracious. And I'm not saying that because they might listen to this sometime. They just are, and I lucked out, and I know it. But we did not bring our kids up in any religion. We did not go to church regularly on Sunday. I still do not. Um, I've had education, an extensive education in that area. And, you know, I, I, I hope that we raised our kids with some level of morality that both my wife and I had and learned. But even to your point of the yelling and screaming and what they do, every time when our kids were little, when we were about to go out, you don't ask for this, you don't ask for that, you are going to behave. And when they did throw a fit, which was to their credit as children, as kids, was rare, we picked them up and took them out. If we were at a restaurant, picked them up and took them out, the meal was over, boxed it up, I, my, either my wife or I, one of us took them out. We were at a store shopping. My daughter, I swear to God, I was going to get arrested one time. <laughs> you know, she was not done looking at the Barbies at, at Target here in McHenry when it was still here way back then. And we had to go. It was over. It was done. I picked her up, put her over my shoulder, and she screamed bloody murder the whole way out of the store. And the people were looking at me, and I'm like, she's my daughter, really, all the way out. She's my daughter. It's okay. She wasn't done with the Barbies. We got to go. I swore someone was going to call the cops saying I was abducting this kid. Yep. She was screaming bloody murder. But because she was throwing a fit, I took her out while my wife finished the shopping with the boys and, and stood in line. You don't see even that anymore. People don't. There's just no common consideration, it seems, and it's it's the opposite. But you know, there is something to be said, and I know John hasn't chimed in yet this morning. He's he's soaking all this in. Yeah, he's holding his guns over there. There is something to be said about what simply looks like the face of evil, and it bothers me. You know, Peter, I think the. I'm just sitting over here thinking because, and I haven't said anything because I haven't really had anything to say, but 
what is what uh, is becoming very clear right now is that there need to be expectations in life and there need to be consequences. If the expectations are not set for the young people, and that is by the parental unit, if you have no expectations, you will not get any results. And if there are not any negative consequences to poor behavior, you, you, don't, you cannot enforce the expectation. You cannot levy or leverage the expectation if, there's not, if you don't have the authority or ability to uh, meter out a consequence. And, and we live in a, in a society, and I hate to bring this back to government, but it is a fact. The more government becomes involved in our lives, the more it encroaches upon the private lives of the citizen, the less the citizen has the ability to do the things in the context, personally, individually, in the moment when you're looking at the Barbies, to do the things that need to be done to handle that, that situation. And, and as, as an example, to Peter's story, when the child is acting up and it's time to go, you sling the child over your shoulder and say, hey, we're done. We got to go. No, I want to keep it. No, you don't understand. We got to go. And then you have to take that evasive action and take physical control of the child and say, we are leaving and you're going with me. We means you and I. And this is how it's going to be. In, in, the day, in, in this day and age, and increasingly depending on where you are, uh, maybe in the city it's a little bit more so. Out here, maybe it's a little bit more casual the government becomes involved. Oh, wait a minute, you, you can't, you can't physically touch your child and pick them up like that because you're harming them some way emotionally or, or you know, this or that, you, right? So the, the government, the more they get their tentacles into the, the grassroots of your life, the less we have as citizens the ability to manage the grassroots of our lives. And then the result of that is, perhaps in some way, not in always, but in perhaps in some ways, those expectations aren't set by parents because they realize that maybe they can't enforce them. There are no consequences to action and behavior. Therefore, you have Mr. Sellers uh, has a fender bender with a young man who knows what expectations were set for him, who knows what consequences were not metered out to him because the parents either, one, were incapable in some ways, which is parents. All parents are incapable at some level, right? It happens. We're human. Uh, or they just pulled their punch because, wow, I don't want to get in trouble. Or maybe the kid goes and tells a story to the teacher the next day. My, my, uh, my dad picked me up and did this and that, maybe a little bit of child embellishment. Oh, that's never happened before, has it? Right. And now all of a sudden the teacher's on the blower to the school counselor, and every school's got a counselor, and they've got mandatory reporting requirements. And guess what? Bang, you've got a problem. I'll tell you a personal story. Once upon a time... Um, with uh, with with uh, uh, one of my one of my daughters, there was a disciplinary situation that I had to engage in it was in her best interest, and within the the next uh, day or two, I was called into the school, and the school counselor, and this was at a grade school level, grade school, at grade school level, I was essentially told in no uncertain terms, you are going to apologize to your child or you're going to wind up, or I'm going to report you to the state. I mean, that, that was, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the undercurrent, right? And so I, at that moment, this counselor went as far as to call my ex-wife to say, what kind of man is he? And that's how far this got. And I had to emasculate myself and be cowed. Otherwise, I was going to, I was going to be in a lot of trouble. Now, that is a one, just one little example in the life of a very... I assure you, a very vanilla background of one guy in suburban rural yeah. Illinois. Think about what goes on all over the place. And so again, when government gets in there at the local level, at the school level, and the counselors and all the rest, and they start getting into your lives, and you realize, well, the chains are off, dude. I don't have any consequences of my actions. I can get in Tom's face all day long. Why? Who's going to touch me? Well, we've come 180. When you talk about you know, a child in the, in the store and, and, and physically bringing them out because they're throwing a fit and you're not going to buy this for them. And, and, and we've come 180. Right. It's now, not only can you not do that, but it's your civil duty if you see somebody else doing that to stop them. Right. Yeah. That's a full 180. Now, what's wrong with that picture? I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, you better know if you're right or wrong. You know, and, and, and how do you judge that? But, but this We're is, not judges. But this is the, but, we, but, to, but to Peter's point, this is the face of evil. Okay, I was thinking about this in the way, you know how it is we've talked about liberals in this country being useful idiots to the communists, right? That's something that's been talked about, Lenin, I think it was, okay? 
Sure. I think I think I, I was thinking about this on the way in this morning. I, I think that the Marxists and, and that whole thing, which wants to see and has written extensively about breaking down the family structure in America, is that's the only way they can take this thing, is to break down the family structure. If you can break down the family structure, boom, it's over. You got them. And I think the Marxists are the useful idiots to the devil. I'm sorry, but this is the face of evil. Well, that's it's, chapter three of the manifesto. It's you know, absolutely true. It's, right. uh, a, a, a focused communistic environment is anti-family. Mm -hmm. Family is completely removed from the situation. Okay. And that's Read Anthem. We, and so right. you see, as much as I would love to remove politics from this conversation, we can't because politics and the government and the and the arms and the tentacles of government have inserted itself into so many parts of our lives. We have to have the political conversation. To describe it from the other side, we have less individual anything, most especially responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not my job to take care of myself and comport myself the way I should to do the best for myself and my neighbors. I am supposed to get away with anything I can get away with while somebody else takes care of me. Mm -hmm. That's the direction we're going, and it, that comes straight from government. And the less of that we have, the better off we're going to be. And we've be. gotten less of that, but more of individualism, relativism, what Pope Benedict called the biggest threat to society, to modern society, is individualism and relativism. Whatever's good with you is okay with you. Whatever you want to do, that's okay. Where that That's a scary thought. That Okay, that's a scary thought, but that conflicts with what we talked about last week as far as individual sovereignty, in my mind. How? If, if individualism is a threat, but the highest sovereign is the individual. The highest sovereign is God. Individ, the, and that's, and that's the, the sovereign is God, individual, state, federal. That's the way the Founding Fathers designed it. And as long as if the individual is their own God, and they are on the throne of their lives, and they are not accountable to anything else more sovereign than they, then yes, you will absolutely see this thing break down because we'll just do whatever we want, and we'll all pull in our own individual directions. That individual liberty has to be accountable to that higher power. Without it, it's toast. I, I, the, the discussion of, of where liberty begins and ends when it's working well mm -hmm. is, is always interesting. But basically, uh, my liberty is without bounds until it starts getting in the way of your liberty yeah. without bounds. And we need to come to reasonable definition of where my liberty stops mm -hmm. to not impinge on you unjustly. And, and, right? and, and now that, that, that's, that, uh, that line is a lot closer to you than it is to me. I get away with anything. And you see, and that line of liberty is always floating and moving, and, and it's always adjusting ever so slightly. That pendulum is always moving just a little bit. And there's always rub there's there. There's always a little bit of friction. Back to good manners. Right. Good manners is what greases that friction and makes it work well. If you say please and thank you, you can put almost anything in between and get away with it. And, and we are we're in a society right now where it's a it's a it's an all or nothing because we are trying to use a one size fits all solution in the form of the federal government and the centralized power. And that is that you in Colorado or Texas or Florida must live as I do in Connecticut or California or New York. And but if we were allowed to live in our liberty per the Tenth Amendment and live and move to states where the culture, the mores, the way we deal with each other, if we were allowed to have liberty seek its own level, then a lot of this tension would go away, but it's the fact that we're trying to control one another from a central point of authority to control almost 320 million people. You, you, when you try to do that, you're going to have people fighting back, and it's going to be all or nothing. Therefore, I don't want to talk to you. Why? You're going to put, you're going to, you're going to put your boot on my neck. I'm going to stop you, and vice versa. And everything just breaks down from there, and this is by design. But you also have to remember, too, that it, it takes a village. I remember when I was growing up, if, if I was out of line and my parents weren't around but another adult was, they might say something. And it would, it would bring me back to that reality that, hey, maybe I'm not, I shouldn't be doing this. I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, um, uh, there was a... There was a uh, 
a time where I was shopping for 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 a grocery for groceries, and here somebody is uh, has parked their parked their cart in front of a freezer door that I want to get something out of. Now they've got a maybe a three or four year old child in that cart, but are they near that cart? No, they're they're 45 feet down the aisle. So what did I do? I took the cart and I pushed it out of the way so I could open the door. Oh, no way. And the woman came back at me and she said, if you ever touch my child again, I'm going to, you know, and I almost said, touch him. I never touched him. All I want to do is get my get my green beans out of the freezer. <laughs> I mean, come on. What 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 part of uh, what part of the uh, of courtesy is that? You're 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 making it you're making it discourteous. And I think this is where we've lost some of it from the from the ground level, from the family level. We've lost courtesy. Where do you when do you see? Uh, I, I mean, it you don't often see anymore where cars will stop and let somebody into a lane. That's courtesy. And when the guy lets you in, does anybody wave or say thank you? No, they don't do that. They just, well, that's my turn, I'm going, you know. Does that kind of sound like the waving and the letting cars in? That kind of sounds like a do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I think I read that I, somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> that yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, and back to Denny's point that he made a little <laughs> earlier and, and that... Uh, <laughs> With, with the civility and, you know, the fact that we're having a civil conversation here about, you know, pretty sensitive subjects and, and recognizing, you know, deciding that, okay, as a society here in America, we're going to recognize that God is the highest sovereign. And, and it's no secret at this table that my beliefs have been challenged and, and I'm standing, I'm not sure where I stand on things anymore as far as my beliefs go. Uh, John, to his great credit, has had some very helpful conversations with me in that area and it is uh, to me it, when we look at this loss of civility and common decency and even you know people are McHenry County I'm sorry guys I know we're recording right here in McHenry Illinois itself McHenry County has some of the rudest damn drivers I have ever Absolutely. seen. Yeah. Any. I'll vote for that. Um, you, you, you need you to get out more because it's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, I drive. I drive all over. Drive going down 53. But, I, I, That's the Wild West. Yeah, it, it's you know, but I drive all over. And I will tell you, downtown, um, downtown, I don't view as rude. People know there's a flow, and you got to hustle, and you get in where you're expected to get in. You move, you go. But I have seen people go, you know, give, you know, just wave you in or get you going, or and sometimes it's like, get in there. This is your turn. It's where you got to go. You're you're holding me back. Go. Um, but you know this this whole idea. I think that you know we're recognizing a higher power as the the ultimate sovereign. I mean, we've, if, if you do that in any way, shape, or form, you have to recognize that if there, that there is an ultimate power for benevolence and there's a power for evil. Well, and if you want to experience those things, go spend an hour at Walmart. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, will, you will learn uncivility in the greatest form every turn, every aisle. From the, I mean, I don't even understand how people can go out pajamas now. And that's and everybody <laughs> that's acceptable to go walking up and down the aisles in pajamas and, and, and slippers and and and, like, and it's like you know back in our day this 40, 50, 60s and stuff you didn't walk until you showered and dressed exactly properly right. for the day exactly you know I mean I, I and I'm still that way yep. you know but go spend an hour in Walmart and you'll see the most uncivilized well and I, I just saw in the news this folks. morning it was either South Carolina or North Carolina but I think it's South is going to pass a law banning saggy pants. You know, the pants down around the... Here's to them. It's <laughs> Illinois. Well, have they... That's Illinois. Well, it's South up. Carolina, that's what they... But, but that's, si to that point... Similar legislation is up here in Illinois. is having too. to reach in instead of somebody telling me, because if that was my kid, I'd take care of that. The government wouldn't right. have to tell them right. that. Right. Well, you know, somebody I know very well, and since we're not allowed to mention names, I won't, but somebody I know very well, when he went into the Marines... And he got out. The biggest change in him, which and he was a 
great kid, but the biggest change was the respect side of it. All of a sudden, they were like, yes, sir, no, ma'am, thank you, please. It was, I mean, that, and those little things go a long way, but it's hard when you see the adults on TV, the politicians scream at, at each other and calling each other the names, and, and I mean, I mean, getting downright nasty. You know, it's, so to, it is at all levels from, from, you know, somebody needs to parent them and slap yeah, them back to the leadership. Yes. And the flow. If, if, if you look at the, the concentrated areas of good manners, you will always find very classy people. World-class athletes are the first to give each other handshakes and hugs before and after the event. Yep. Mm -hmm. World-class uh, leaders of people uh, be they religious or there are there is the occasional politician who is a good person who really does an effective job these people are the last to put themselves first in a conversation or any kind of exchange of ideas they are trained to listen first and I, it, it, I what bugs me I guess the most is why young people can't figure this out why they don't see that the people they respect the most Maybe that's the issue. Maybe they don't. Uh, but the people I respect the most are are the ones with the best manners. And well, it's and not I, because of the best manners. It's the other way around. Well, I gotta, I, I'm glad you said that, Ken, because i got to give it to Bob. Because Bob here is the youngest person at our table. I I think of you, Bob, even though you're 25. That's Batman. That's Batman. Batman Bob. Okay. <laughs> you're 25, right? Mm -hmm. Even though he's 25, same age as, as my oldest son. Um you slide into Friday mornings, uh, you know, because we have coffee every morning before we do the podcast, and there's generally a large group here. But Bob actually comes in with a great deal of respect, and he does listen carefully, and he gives he gives honest feedback and opinion, and he doesn't hold back. But never have I seen him act the way I see a lot of, and I, and I know we're old freaking curmudgeons. We're, you know, and I've heard people say, oh, you sound like a bunch of guys sitting around with with uh, cigars and puffing and, uh, oh, geez, I remember when, you know, because I had to walk to school uphill both ways. But um, So did I. Yeah, you know, <laughs> in, the in the snow. In the snow. And, uh, in fact, I did actually have to walk to school when I was in grade school. But, but Bob, you seem... You seem to be one of the exceptions. I wish you would bring some of your friends to this in, in your Well, that would be a good group. thing. Oh, boy. Uh, if you could encourage them to come and sit down, but they probably think, oh, these guys are We're old. questioning that. But Bob has friends, but... Well, <laughs> I'm assuming. I'm assuming, and I know what well, Batman does. Batman works alone. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what about Robin? Can I make my comment? How about me, baddie boy? What happened to Robin? Uh, yeah, what'd you do with Robin? Uh, and Batgirl. The other thing that impresses me about Bob, this is this is get all over Bob there, right? Um, you know history. You have studied. You pay attention. When you present an argument, on those rare occasions when you've been on the opposite side of the fence from me, you really know your stuff. And I often walk away at the very least saying, well, I need to look into this because I may or may not be right about this. Right. And uh, that's something I see missing in the great majority of, of, of the younger folks that I work with. Well, thank you, thank you all for the compliments. But I don't think I I would really like to uh, get off of me now. I mean, I, I can't take it too much more. You guys just being too nice. <laughs> pretty soon this room's going to explode, or, or I'm, pretty soon I'm going to wake up and like he's got to get through the doorway, guys. But uh, way too big. No. Um, I, I've, seen, I've, seen, <laughs> I've seen I've seen good kids come from bad homes. Yeah. I've seen bad kids come from good homes. And what I see today is such a focus on individualism in the wrong aspects. And that is that people it's not just about the government leaving them alone, it's about everyone leaving them alone. People don't want to take advice from people that are smarter than them from people that are better dressed than them or people that have a better golf swing than them. People just, some people just don't want that advice. And when we, when we see that, we see people who may know how to uh, better discipline our kid 
or so along those lines, then we immediately shut them off. We don't want to hear what they have to say. And that is a that is the wrong approach to take. Uh, today in waterboarding works. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, don't take don't take your don't take your parenting advice from a CIA interrogator. <laughs> or, I mean, no, <laughs> no, but it's just it's just um, you know what I see such a hands off approach when it comes to other people when it comes to other people's stuff. Nobody wants to get involved for the better. Nobody really cares about anyone else's lives. I mean, how many of us know our neighbors? And we don't have to necessarily be nosy about it. We don't have to. We don't have to intervene in every aspect. But you know, I, I, it takes it takes a village to raise a kid, Absolutely. and we we have a we don't have that anymore. You know, one of the things that I was I was thinking too is, and this is I've done this, and it, and it's uh, uh, been. Uh, quite effective that I've found uh, when I've seen kids that have been unruly and making a lot of noise or making a lot of uh, problems all of a sudden I'll just turn around and I'll say who's making that noise and all of a sudden that kid will stop why because his comfort level is now out of his comfort level and he's got to go back to mommy or daddy and he's got to be quiet because no, he, he's going to he doesn't because he doesn't well no I'm not saying teenagers now I'm saying I'm saying at a at a younger age you have to start when they're when they're born you have to start them from when they're born not from not from when they're uh, 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 junior high school age you have to start a lot younger than that and if you don't and again as I mentioned before about you know it takes a village that's part of the village. That, you know, you can't you can't lay hands on them. You'd love to sometimes, but you cannot lay hands on them. But if you said something, even if you said, as I say, I usually just say, "Hey, who's making all that noise?" And they will stop, and they will turn around and they'll look for their comfort zone, which is mom and dad, and then they'll be quiet. And a, 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 a true story. We were doing this. I, I was sitting in. Uh, uh, we were sitting in uh, in Amsterdam, and in uh, we we're having breakfast, and the, the a couple sat down behind us, and the kid was very unruly. Couldn't have been more than four or five years old, and it was screaming and yelling and whatnot, and it was getting a little annoying for me. And finally, I turned around. And I said, "Who's making all that noise?" And that kid stopped just stopped and for the rest of his breakfast he didn't say a word didn't say anything didn't shout didn't scream we had a very pleasant breakfast matter of fact they left before we did and as they were leaving the mother mouthed to me she said she kind of kind of said thank you very much because they didn't know how to control it there, and that's, there, that's just what I'm I'm hearing you I Boy Scouts, you go to leader school in Boy Scouts and you want to be a leader of young men, right? they teach you some very, very important and, and effective fundamentals. One of them is, I can counsel your kid, you can counsel my kid, but we don't have a chance with our own kids. And, and lots of very emotional, tense, you know, especially uh, hormone-driven situations. <laughs> now, you're dealing with 14, 15-year-old boys, 12-year-old boys, it can be tough. To, to reach through that parent veil. And there's going to be somebody, it could be another Boy Scout leader, could be a coach, could be a priest, could be uh, all kinds of folks, teachers, uh, teachers doing an awful lot of this that they don't get credit for. Anybody that can help and do it right should have the freedom to help, and we have removed it in the last 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it's been. I, it, the, the stories about DCFS showing up after some kid simply says, my parents beat me, right? Well, yeah, somebody's got to look into it, but what happens after that? There isn't, you know, you're convicted already. You know, it, it's, it's not good when these people show up because your life just got changed. Completely. And it used to be that that would never happen until, you know, it was real cause. Right. 
Hey, Tom, you wanted to jump in. Yeah, kind of. Just came to you just a little bit, a little earlier, and might be off the, off of this particular train, but I still think it's important. You know, I think back and I look back, and again, yeah, I'm the old guy looking back how things work. But what I see missing, and I've seen missing for a long time, is every culture historically has looked at their elders for wisdom and yes. guidance. We don't see that here. Well, what no, we hear now is stupid. what we hear now is there's no use for those old people. The Republicans are a bunch of old, angry white men. Yes, these are the mm-hmm. things we hear. I have, you know, other than my own kids, and, and thankfully, you know, they think the way they do. You very rarely have a kid say, "Hey, tell me about." It. And you know, when I was growing up, some of my best times were listening to my grandfather tell mm-hmm. me about. And I learned a lot. They taught me a lot about being a person, about having more a moral compass. You just don't see that anymore. And, and I'm lost as to why. Yeah, maybe you could throw a little light on that. Well, because young people in society in general, they're being told that everything that is wrong and without virtue is, uh, is actually virtuous. I mean... Every, the politicians and uh, special interest groups, and I'm not going to get into the weeds on which ones uh, as much as I'd love to because we don't have the time, but we don't recognize virtue. I'm going to be preaching this Sunday on the topic that we, we as a society, we don't want to admit there is such a thing as virtue. We don't want to admit to that there is such a thing as vice or sin. And when, when, you, when a nation or a people or when individuals do not recognize the difference between those two things, they are lost. They have no moral compass. They have no opportunity to even know how to improve and to imitate Christ or anything that is greater than them. They're totally lost because society says, oh, do whatever it was you want to do. It's okay. And, and, and this doesn't even get into the topic that... These are just the way things are going to go because Scripture says, look, in Mark uh, chapter 13, 12, it talks about how it is, look, there's going to come a day when children are going to put to death their parents and they're going to rebel. I mean, it talks about how it is that this is going to occur and that also and then in verse 13 in the same chapter talks about, look, people are going to hate you because they hated me first, right? So what you see is a society that is told is breaking down and not totally but in many ways is breaking down because there's no assignment said look this these are the virtuous things in life and these are the good things in life you should pursue these things are are full of vice and not good for you you should not pursue these things we're not willing to say what's right and what's wrong again like we talked about last week it's the depth of truth this we're doing this to ourselves and the thing that peter and i very specifically talked about yesterday was the fact that you have folks that are celebrating the death of Billy Graham. I don't care if you liked him. I don't care if you agreed with him. You're kidding. No, I'm You're not kidding. That's true. It's very true. It's very I, true. And, and it, I don't care if you agreed with him or not. I don't care if you're an atheist and you just don't believe anything the man ever said. It was Billy Graham. He lived for 99 years. He was faithful unto his calling and a person in Western-style liberty ought to respect that and say, okay, I mean, look, if when the Dalai Lama passes away, I don't do a happy dance. I'm a born-again Christian. I respect the fact, look, I, know, I think you're wrong, but still I honor the fact that you've lived your life with virtue as you saw it. I'm willing to let, I'm not going to do a happy dance. That's, that's indecent. And he's not even in the ground yet. And they were celebrating his death. At the very minimum, Billy Graham brought comfort to a number of people that was uh, inconceivable until he showed up. Yes, yes, I will say he monetized religion, but he also made it a mass delivery that was effective to lots and lots and lots and lots of people. I don't need to share their faith to see greatness in the man. Exactly. But, but But they hate him, and that's why I'm saying that this is something, we don't have the time here, but I think it's something that is fundamentally evil because anyone that celebrates the death of a great moral agent, whether you totally believe in all their doctrine and theology or not, I'm sorry, that's wrong. I mean, I'm not a Catholic, but I have the greatest amount of respect for Mother Teresa. 
Right? I mean, that's that's a no-brainer. And, and so how far that's gone? So what do we have, a week and a half ago when uh, Commander uh, Police here in Chicago, Commander Paul Bauer, was mm -hmm. right. shot and killed, and they caught the guy? When they brought that guy into the prison, yeah. he the prisoners cheered. This, this is cheered evil. this guy for killing a police officer. But that goes back to the individualism. And, and you said it. I mean, yes, individualism, and that kind of goes in counter to what we were talking about, but not when you believe in a higher, higher power. Because what you were saying, individualism, what you consider sin, I don't. I consider that joy. Right. Then you get into you know, relativism. And you see, unless we have, unless we have God as sovereign, Individualism, just as as the individual, well, I hate to tell you this. That's that's the that's the Tower of Babel, y'all. Yep. That's Sodom and Gomorrah, guys. Yep. That thing is going to go where it's going to go. It has gone where it has gone in the past. And if we think that the same behaviors, attitudes regarding our Creator is just going to simply take us in a new place, then what Scripture shows us that it's taken us as a species. Well, you're nuts. That's the same behavior, expecting a different outcome. That's insanity. It's not going to happen. Yep. Not going to happen. I, Go ahead, Bob. I, I've remained silent on several issues uh, spoken about here today because I'm not a parent. I can't tell you how to raise the kid. I can't tell you what you should do. When I was talking earlier about consulting people that are wiser than you, it's not me. But what I do find alarming is that when we're, when we're speaking of God, and I want to tre tread carefully here, but the reason I don't commit murder is, has nothing to do with the fact that I think God's watching me and I want to go to heaven. It's because any law that upgrades uh, human personality is a good law. Any law that degrades human personality is a bad law. St. Thomas Aquinas said that. I don't, I don't need God to have a, for a morally stable state, for a morally absolute state. You do. That's absolutely, and the re that's the reason it's this because because there's absolutely no absence, no lack of human beings on this planet without invoking and standing, at least alluding to the Ten Commandments: "Thou shalt not commit murder." There's no, there's nothing to stand on. We're not an endangered species. As a matter of fact, many an environmentalist would make the argument: this planet would be better off if we were here. Therefore, we should begin committing mass suicide. To which I would respond: Amen. You first. <laughs> um, Let me but, pour that cooling for you. Right. Well, because and, and there's nothing. Just because. Because one person says that we ought not to kill, is not sufficient. Because if. It's relativism. Well, no, I'm in a situation I have to kill. Well, it's convenient. But, you know, I really don't, I don't really want to bring this child to term because, like we talked about last week, adoptions are hard to get through because that process, I don't want to do, I'd rather just kill my kid in the womb, right? And pretty soon you start sliding the evidence of walking away from God and recognizing him as sovereign. The evidence of where this is taking us is plain. And yet we still, we deny it. Now, I, I would like to think that Bob is right and that, you know, that we can do this thing in human liberty and absolutism, but history doesn't show that to be the case, and, and it, it's not valid. And we're not just, built that way. I, we're I, not built I, that way. I, I'm, I kind of lean toward Bob. Yeah, so on. I, I don't think, and I think actually if you're going to look at history, I don't think the human race would exist now to at this point in time, I don't think we would be here at all if there was not some sense of understanding that killing just because I want to kill, and, and I'm being you know very black and white about this, but killing just because I want to kill is a bad thing. You know that that I don't I don't know. That I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna agree with Bob on this, John and John. You're looking at me a little cross-eyed, but I don't actually think I need. And, and maybe I'm not speaking from this in a. In a tr I'm, I'm battling with myself as I'm saying this. I don't actually think I need a higher power to understand that killing just because I feel like it is is a bad thing. So, think, which, so why which, not? Uh, why not kill? I mean, really, why not? Because, because I don't historically, I, I, because I value life. The, why do you Judeo, value life? Because I value my own. 
Well, so if, be, I, but, if but, I recognize... And I recognize all those things, but all those things you were saying goes right back to what God says in his word. Absolutely. Boom. You can't, you can't, that's what I'm saying, is that but, you can deny that that is required, but every argument that you make and have made ties right back to what God has already said. Then how did the human race the exist? Of God to believe in the validity of the commandments. Absolutely. If you look at history, the societies who have worked best adopted that set of rules very close to literal. All I'm saying is, though, why, why, are, why is it valid? It's only it's because it works. Two-thirds no, two well, of our founding fathers, excuse me for interrupting, but two-thirds no. of our founding fathers were deists. Mm -hmm. They believed in some form of God but they didn't necessarily believe in, they weren't necessarily Quakers or mm -hmm. uh, Catholics. Now, they, did, now they, did, <laughs> they, didn't they didn't have to stand there and say, well, I'm not sure what's, what's right or what's wrong. They knew what was right and they knew what was wrong. And just like every society in the history of the world, we have gone through our growing pains and we have our black marks upon us. Slavery is one of them. Mm -hmm. That was, in the Constitution, and it wasn't—it didn't suddenly become wrong in 1865. No, discrimination didn't suddenly become wrong in 1910. It's always been wrong. Abortion is a great example. Abor abor abortion's not right or wrong, depending on what we say it is. It's right or wrong based on are we respecting the sovereignty of the individual? Now. Whether, I believe that abortion is a black mark, it, but it's a growing hump. It's a growing curve that we have to we have to understand. And I will finish by saying this: if you can't make a plausible argument for something without invoking the Bible, then it's not a, plaus a well, plausible let, argument. Let me let me make an argument then. Prior to the Bible, mm -hmm. and, this, and as I say, as uh, I studied archaeology for many years in college, and Prior to the Bible, even uh, this goes back probably um, 20, 20 or 30,000 years ago, mm -hmm. you had a people, you had people who were, who were deists. They didn't know Christ, but they were deists. They knew there was a bigger power. They knew there was something that, was, that had brought them here, that had gotten them to that, to that point. Uh, whether they worship the sun, because if you in, in uh, certain parts of uh, uh, France, I believe, it, or, or Germany, I'm I'm not quite sure anymore, but there was there they found stones that are lined up east to west. So obviously these people have been were knew that the sto uh, sun rose in the east and settled in the west. Doesn't mean that they were studying the uh, stars or the horizon. No, they were deists. And the, and the deism that they knew was it was a higher power. And that higher power gives us natural law. Natural law gives us, gives us the, the uh, basis for, for our, our biblical law. It gives us conscience. It gives us, yes, it gives, it gives us, us conscience. conscience. That, Absolutely. Thank you. That's where I was trying to come from myself mm -hmm. in that... Dan, you, you actually said much better than I did when, when I was trying to communicate why. I felt I'm labeling God as the benevolence. And, and if you take that label out of it and you have natural law, if you take, if you, because again, 20, 30,000 years before we had the Bible, before we had Jesus Christ, before we had what we now look at as the Word of God, our humanity existed but again Dan you, we still existed with the ideologies right but the but the but and again this is just a, this is just the divergent path in the wood and we'll have to read mm. apart and that is this is that we are created and we're from the beginning with conscience that you cannot separate the human animal the human being from conscience from soul from spirit if you do, you're simply saying that we exist unto ourselves and we have conscience because it created itself somehow, was not imparted or gifted or given, and it is self-validating. 
All I'm saying is, I'll just humbly submit it, because I mean, I'm not going to convince anybody here no more than a bumper sticker on a car does. And Charles Manson's not here, huh? Right. So, <laughs> really, like the, the, the idea is that uh, society is not going in a good direction, whether it be because of abortion, whether it be because of people celebrating the death of police officers, whether it be this or that. I mean, you go to the long laundry list. We've taken God out of the conversation. We've taken him out of society. And we've put ourselves on the throne of our own lives. The question is this, how's that working for us? It's not real, real good. I don't, think, real good. I don't think it is. And so, I mean, we all can, and you, I mean, you all are within your liberty to worship a, a, a piece of wood. I, I mean, that's up to you. Mm -hmm. And we all stand before the man and take the consequences for what we've done. That's it. Um, you know, I mean, I'd like to try to help you come to see a different path, but hey, I mean, ultimately the spirit convicts. And so at the end of it, you can't deny that he exists. And we just say, well, we're just going to do what we want to do because I have this conscience that's somehow self-validating and self-creating, and, and we're just going to, no, that's what society is doing. And it's saying, out of convenience, I should kill my young. Out of convenience, I should enslave another people. Out of convenience, I should be intolerant of you because you don't agree with me. Out of intolerance, I should do this. When we rely on our conscience and the conscience of the individual and the collective within a nation begin to deteriorate to such an extent that it has, you wind up with people in camps. You wind up with mm -hmm. people in bondage. You wind up with people being murdered in the womb. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. It's the denial of God that's bringing us to this point, and it's the presentation of evil that's bringing us to this point. I love that. Uh, 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 Talk about go to your elders, and there's a, there's an older gentleman in church, and he had the best line when we were talking about an atheist and a believer, and he said his well, all he says whenever he meets somebody that says he's an atheist is you know what, that's fine with me, if you're right, it doesn't matter because when we die, we just turn back into dust. If I'm right, it's mm -hmm. for eternity. Mm -hmm. You know, and I thought that was perfect. That's yeah. mm -hmm. that's the same presentation that some uh, someone well, made to me before I came to faith. Let's go. Um, yeah, absolutely, and my mom has the same similar testimony, and I'm I also I'm a believer in Christ, and but I don't think that you know, regardless of what's going on, uh, from the beginning, everything's been in black and white, and to and to uh, John's point, we have seen a, a mixture of conscience where people have say, all right, well, m more absolutism, that may not be what I accept. So I'm going to swing all the way to the opposite side and go towards more relativism. When maybe it's a little somewhere in the middle, but for some reason people forget that. But bringing it back full circle, uh, he talks about human conscience. And uh, Tom, he brought up earlier today that we have seen a, um, a devolution. I'm not saying that word, right? Devolution. De de yeah, the evolution of the human conscience where people are not afraid to get into your face. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand that there is a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And the right way to do things is to treat others the way you want to be treated and to upgrade human personality. And getting in somebody's face after a car accident solves neither of those ends. No, it does not. Not in any way, shape, or form. I think John actually put very eloquently that we are seeing now, and this is what spurned this whole conversation, I think, uh, and, and in fact, people responding to the topics we originally, or I originally put out, is we are seeing within our society the de-evolution of a societal conscience, and that bothers me greatly. And where that needs to improve and how that's going to improve uh, you know whether that looking at the looking at the Spirit of God looking at the benevolence that comes from what we're taught and what uh, what that demonstrates I think it's just it's it's fading and that's where we're seeing these things that are just so detestable. It, it, it's, I, I know you're kind of crossing your eyes there. Well, it, cause, cause, 
I mean, look at it this way. We talked about this earlier too. It, you know, look what technology's done to bring all this information to us instantly, so that we can see much more than we would have seen, you know, 30 years ago, even 30, 40 years ago when news traveled very slowly. You know, and, mm -hmm. and, and you wouldn't see as much. You wouldn't feel as much. You know, I, I think that's part of the change too. Uh, not to mention the fact that there's another hundred million or so people in the world now than mm -hmm. there was even then. But you know, it, so it, it, you know, we get to see more of it. Does that mean that there's really more out there than there's ever been? Tough question. I don't know that that, that there is. And, and maybe there isn't. Maybe there isn't more than there's ever been. We're just seeing it now. Maybe it's being we're magnified. Ready. Maybe it's just now we're able to see what it is. And you know, I know. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, I just want to. I mean, this, the idea is that, and to Bob's point, I think it's a great point that to value other people, right? And to, to, well, I just want to go to Philippians two three. This is the NIV version. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. How much better would society be if we just did that? I mean, look at that again. Rather, in humility, of me, value others, Bob. Uh, above myself. I mean, that is huge, and that's what those young people, when they get out of the car and get in Tom's face, that's what they're not doing. They're not valuing others more than themselves because they're not humble. And, and again, we take that we take that out of their lives. We take that scripture out of their lives and say, "Do what you want to do." Boom, man. Hey, you're you're going wherever it is you want to go in the moment. Which maybe Tom bumps into him. Uh, maybe it was the young man's fault. Maybe it wasn't. I'm assuming that it was because Tom doesn't lie and he's never wrong. And so there's a lot to argue And so the young guy gets out of the car and says, "Man, you 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 stupid old gray-haired codger. Man, it pops him." Well, wait a minute. There's no humility in that. There's violence in that. And so, but again, maybe in that moment he figures I'm totally justified because he's on the throne of his own life. It's a problem. And being on the throne of your own life, maybe, maybe that's for some people a wonderful place to be, but it, there is no humility there. There's, And that's where we lose the ability to have these kind of conversations right. that are extremely... To me, these are very important, and I'm extremely thankful. And gentlemen, we have actually gone way over our usual time. We're we're over an hour on record time today. I uh, <laughs> no apologies <laughs> necessary. I let this run. I didn't even give any type of uh, warning or ending. But um, there are things that I actually have to do today because I do have a day job still. And, have to put food on my table and keep a roof over my head so uh, I would like to go ahead and wrap up if we could and maybe next week we can continue some of this conversation or aspects of it thank you very much for joining me and being here today I really appreciate great conversation thank, thank you, you. Thank, you. Thanks, guys. thank you awesome. very much wonderful have a great weekend